Okay. I'm over at the pancake house. Who walks in over to the cash register but this chick? Right. Yeah, 19, 20 year old. Who we're talking about? She wants to buy a pack of vice for us. Oh, I can believe it. Gets the smokes and does this number about how she forgot her purse up in her room. Up in her room? Yeah. Oh, was she a pro? At that age? Yeah. Well, at this point, we don't know. So down we sit, we get to talking this, that, blah, 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 and it's come up to my room and I'll pay you back for the smoke. No. Yeah. Your shit. I'm telling you. And was she a pro? At this point, we don't know. But up we go. And it's, sit down. You want a drink? Well, what do you got? Bourbon. Fine. And then what shot does she up and pull? Hey, she says, I think I want to take a shower. No. Yeah. And B, she says, then let's fuck. She said that. What did I just tell you? You're getting it. Was she a pro? At this point, we don't know. So anyway, I do say I'll join you in the shower if you have no objections. Of so into the old shower we go. Does this broad have a body? Yeah. Are you kidding so me? Tell me? The tits, yeah. the legs. Yes. Are you fucking fooling me? The ass on this broad. Young ass. Well, yeah, young broad, young ass. Right. So anyway, we get out, toweling each other off in his or her full glory. Yeah. But while we're toweling off, I flick the towel at her very playfully, like, and by accident. All right. We're back. back. <laughs> Welcome uh, back to the Evil Thespian podcast. Um, we are here uh, joined today with two Chicago transplants from the Chicago Transplant Authority podcast. Um, uh, Illich and George, how are you guys? Welcome. <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Excellent. How was everyone's great. day? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great uh you know it was a good day uh this is probably the first time uh that i've ever read the text before watching the movie version uh before we discussed oh, it in yeah. class so Seriously. i'm ready to go <laughs> yeah exactly well it's so it's so nice and fresh because i read the play and then like three days later i watched the movie um so we're talking about uh, sexual perversity in chicago by uh the great uh david mamet who's a Chicagoite and or Chicago, I don't know. Uh, and uh, the subsequent movie it was based off um, about last night, uh, featuring Rob Lowe and Demi Moore uh, from 1986. Um, so I'm super stoked about this because I I love Mamet. I feel like he's not read in theater schools anymore, um, but he's so important. When to me, one of the reasons because the way that he writes dialogue. Um, what did you? guys think of it uh sexual perversity in chicago specifically uh yeah i thought it was really funny um obviously it was a very short read and um i, I do like that's one thing that i do like about theater is that it and i don't watch that much theater but it does like especially if they're doing like a small production with only like four cast members, mm -hmm. um, they do require you to like use your imagination or like suspend your disbelief mm -hmm. and get into that. Um, and I, uh, it, it is, uh, whenever I read about like, uh, like old stuff that takes place in Chicago, it is kind of funny to be like, oh yeah, the loop is still a thing uh, 50 yeah. years later. And like, you know, things like that, which like to everyone else is like a no duh thing, mm -hmm. but it is a way of like sort of um, telepathically interact with uh, 
people from earlier generations. Um, yeah, or like I just, uh, yeah, all the scenes, I'm like, oh, I've either worked here or had lunch here or I've lived in this scene. Um, but yeah. yeah, what about you, George? What did you think of the play? Yeah, um, I, I mean, the play was, of course, incredibly interesting because uh, as I was reading it, like as I was reading the play, uh, I liked the fact that it was told in this very like short and snappy vignette kind of style. Mm -hmm. It almost felt like reading um, a compilation of uh, like one of those books of short stories that Nadine Hortema, uh, used, uh had written. And uh, as I was reading it, like I could just like picture in my mind, like, okay, yeah, like you're sitting in the bar, you're like talking about last night and you're, <laughs> or you're uh, at your like silly little day job where you're like, oh, uh, let me like file these uh, 2212s or whatever. Right. Um, but uh, the film like really stuck out to me a lot uh, as I was watching it because it starts off with that same opening dialogue between uh Bernie and Danny pretty much of course right after that you realize oh no it's almost completely different and it basically is just like very loosely based yeah. off of the play yeah uh but the thing that I found most fascinating about the film was it kind of was the anti when Harry met Sally it, it was this film about whereas when Harry met Sally is of course it does follow the typical rom-com structure of two people meet they're not really you know it's they don't really click stand. at first yeah. but eventually they do get together and you know they do have their happily ever after whereas with this yeah they they of course don't like each other yeah uh, it like reminds you about like how mm. uh, sexual satisfaction is so transient um i like i've always loved I, david mamet obviously is most uh well known for glenn gary ross and speed the plow but uh, he's so significant because when you read his it, it feels like you're reading a transcript because uh, he actually writes how people talk like very shorthand people are yeah to the point um i think my favorite thing about this play and definitely that opening scene in about last night um it's just the uh locker room sexual uh banter talk between yeah. the two men and it's really the best and it's um it's an amazing like opening right out of the gate you know who these two characters are right um it, and it's fun it's funny <laughs> and that's an aspect particularly among straight men that i think has been lost in recent years because of me too but the the general stigmatization of straight male sexuality where mm -hmm. like straight men increasingly uh like they might say i got laid last night probably if that like with a guy the that point. they're like, particularly close to but like mm -hmm. um they certainly don't talk about it graphically as yeah. much as they used to uh, it's like it, there's a certain level of stigma and discomfort and increasing level of hr standards 
creeping into just everyday interactions that's like i mean i, I one of the things because like to your observation maddie about that is like i think that's one of the things that was shocking to a lot of people about the trump uh pussy tape was <laughs> that uh it's very much a throwback to an early generation where men talked very frankly about yes. sex you although, forget people used to talk like that yeah <laughs> although i would say with the 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 line grab him by the pussy the more i think about it in recent years the more i think like it's not so much offensive as it is so cartoonish that you wonder like it's kind of something that like a closeted gay man would say well what does this broad do but let out a squeal of pleasure and relief that would fucking kill a horse no so what the hell i'm liberal I pick up a chair and I heave it at her. It's funny. You know, it reminds me of that scene in The 40-Year-Old Virgin where he uh, compares a woman's breast to a bag full of sand. <laughs> That's like the way I thought about it when mm-hmm. I heard well, it. One of the things about, like, one of the great things about male sexuality is that, like, you, it's about, like, trying to prove something. You know, that's what makes it so hot um, and like why men like are constantly like put going forth and like, uh, you know, male confidence is so sexy is because like. Yeah. And in that opening well, scene, they're trying to impress. Yeah. Each other, essentially. Uh, yeah. I mean, like the whole thing with uh, the the grabbing by the pussy tape, like my initial reaction is, well, how do you grab a hole? And, you know, that right. further uh, <laughs> solidifies my case for, you know. Trump was our first gay president. Uh, mm-hmm, you know, <laughs> yes, as Roseanne Barr uh, pointed out, but uh, he was, of course, our first gay president. Uh, and first woman. When he was forced out of office through the <laughs> stolen election, it was yes. homophobia at its worst. It was presidential harassment at its worst. Mm-hmm. When uh, Ilyich uh came over to my place tonight um like i was uh, i was watching the mm. film and he sat down mm. and Ilyich was like yeah no this is completely inaccurate like straight men don't talk like this and i was really shocked by that because gay men like do actually kind of talk yeah. <laughs> will be very frank about last night and yeah yeah gay men will just say like yeah this is uh these are all the the play play. details about uh because all of his plays are about working class guys complaining about the bullshit of like similarly in the yeah and like similar to in the play i it was either bernie or danny talking about like the problem with women today they're all in the office it sucks they're they have money um that's like a lot of his plays are about these kind of working class characters complaining about political bullshits and now david mamet has yeah like has found himself i remember when i was younger there'd be more talk like that but i think um Part of it is uh, people getting into more committed relationships and not wanting to share stuff like that. Also, yeah. there's also I think that Me Too had a lot to do with it. But like also the, there became this sort of um, like inverse version of it where uh, like men became, especially straight men, became increasingly neurotic 
and wondering if they're going to get me too for <laughs> yeah. this or that thing. And they would, uh, I, I could speak to my own experience. Like we would like exchange details for the purpose of being like, do I have something to worry about here? Uh, mm -hmm. Do I have something impending? Uh, and uh, usually it, the answer is no, you don't. You're just being yeah. a neurotic fuck. Yeah. Uh, you're but, almost like making sure there's not going to be any litigation, you know, right, <laughs> you're right, going to cover right. your tracks. <laughs> right. But, but to add to, uh, sorry to go back, uh, like rewind um, a little. One of the things that when George was saying about like the differences between the play and uh, the movie is that there's so, I noticed so little character similarity, except for the Bernie. Uh, I mean, the general uh, like tropes you see mm -hmm. are the same yeah. because I feel like they're just tropes in any sort of thing. Um, but, um, and the first names are obviously similar It's and, and they use snippets, but they use so few snippets of the dialogue that I often wonder if, uh, when I was watching it, I wonder, I, I'll have to look into like how this movie was made, but I wonder if the script about last night was written before they even got the idea to make it based on a David Mamet play. And if some producer or whatever said, hey, I just like this, uh, a point that George made uh, earlier that he suggested that uh, if someone said, hey, I just saw this play, uh, we should incorporate that into it. And because there are similarities, even though they're, they're very thematically different, uh, the points of them are very different. When I was reading the play, I was like, I thought about last night was like a chick flick, and this does not seem seem very much of a chick flick. Right. Uh, this seems like, and frankly, uh, I, I this might be a little off putting, but uh, about last night is much more goyish than yeah, uh, it is. Uh, sexual perversity in Chicago. Not just because they changed most of the characters' names to make them not Jewish but mm -hmm. uh in the sense of the um the pessimistic outlook but also not, not even just pessimism is the wrong word it's like this idea that things aren't going to go out in a like a romantic way but life is still worth living and these sorts of like uh moments in time are still worth enjoying uh mm -hmm. chasing women looking at women talking about women talking about sex having sex these things are still worth doing, despite the fact that they might not lead to a happily ever after scenario. Um, whereas About Last Night gives you that sort of hope uh, for that. Um, and it's really interesting because, yeah. like, David Mamet, going back to like why he's a very controversial figure, um, I mean, I, I think even back then he was kind of controversial. He was kind of like known as the bad boy of the theater. And uh, uh, yeah, and it's like, I could see them being like, also like being like, well, we don't really like, they didn't like David Mamet didn't write the screenplay, but usually like playwrights when their film, their plays get adapted into film, they write the screenplay. Very well. often. Yeah. Sometimes they direct the movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and going back to George's point about like how they talk like gay men, like that, like in my brain makes like David Mamet feel even more like a progressive writer in a sense. And like, that's why like people should like, yeah, look, look at him again. <laughs> I mean, like I thought like when I was reading the play, honestly, my take on it is that Bur like, and that's like uh, a thing that the Joan character says in the movie. I don't think she mm -hmm. says in the play, 
that like you're in the middle of a homosexual crisis because when i was mm-hmm. reading it i was thinking like he's so boisterous and so much wants to stress the point that he's fucking all the time and having this wild sex even though you never see him even uh successfully pull a woman uh that i thought okay he's either a closeted homosexual or if not an incel uh very close to being an incel like he's uh he fucks rarely enough that uh he might as well be you know what your problem is your face <laughs> yeah right come on wise up man you're too good looking these girls go out with you and they get nervous man they feel dumpy they don't want to compete they want a guy like like me you know a, a guy that's gonna make them look good Right, a basic Neanderthal type. Right, you're swarthy type, a man's man, a kind of guy who's... Losing testosterone. Exactly. A young woman today in society, she wants a little bulk in her diet. Yeah, she wants a big guy who sweats. <laughs> yeah, right. Best thing that can happen to you, Danny, is an industrial accident. Um, and he's incapable of having, like, um, any sort of continuous sexual relationship with a woman for whatever reason. Um, and that's why he has to overcompensate by being super uh, boisterous and flamboyant in a yeah, a, and a profane, and because right. it's about the competitive right. spirit uh, that is that kind of binds straight male relationships. When when two men are like friends with each other, I feel like their competitiveness uh, really is what really binds them together and like keeps that keeps everyone coming back. Um, and the like regional and profane uh, jargon, it, it just like, it makes everything so um, colorful in the mm-hmm. script. And I think in the script, in the play script, you see uh, such deep, I mean, even though they're very profane and explicit about their sexual, uh, you know, relationships and, uh, you know, experiences, it's really what binds them together. I think this play is like all about brotherhood and what you know male relationships should be essentially because at the end of the play they come back together because the you know they Danny you know lives with this girl and then it's it's Bernie and Danny again at the end like it was in the beginning you know the play does end on that where at the end of the day it is about this sort of brotherly feeling and you know that's why uh Chicago is called the city of brotherly love mm-hmm. um you know because it's this city where we do have this sort of uh, affectionate feeling towards each other and we can find this sort of uh, fraternal feeling towards just, you know what, Uh, dudes rock. We're just gonna kind of chat and just kind of go wild together. Uh, And that's how, one of the many nicknames of this city uh, that we gained is uh, the city of brotherly love. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's so true. And I think, I mean, all of his uh, characters are usually, all all of his male characters are usually like these working class, uh, you know, ball busting guys, but they, who are very alienated by the times, but what always brings his male characters together is that, they both have a love for women. They love to complain about the bullshit. Um, and that is sort of what breathes life into their friendships um, in real life. It's something that I really notice. I don't know if it's just me. I feel like uh, straight men are very, are not afraid to talk explicitly about 
their sexual preferences online, but in in real life, they're very demure and very discreet. Do you, do you yeah, find that I mean, to be true? I, I think uh, specifically on this corner of Twitter that we're on a lot of straight men feel the need to constantly prove that they're straight mm-hmm. by talking about pussy and yeah. how much they like pussy, reminding everyone that they like pussy and mm-hmm. tits and shit like that. Uh, <laughs> But at the same time, none of them want to be accused of being a sex pest. So mm-hmm. it's very rare that they're going to like, I mean, it's not that rare, but it's, it's when you get more followers, it mm-hmm. becomes increasingly less common that you're going to like slide into some e-girls DMs because you don't want to be <laughs> thought of as that guy. Yeah. Um, and you're just constantly wait. Like, I mean, a thing that we were talking about with uh, Jack the Perfect Nationalist is that basically everyone's a bottom now. Mm-hmm. including straight men maybe especially straight men uh just like waiting around for things to happen waiting for a woman to come on to you uh yes. instead of like because uh being sexually aggressive being the initiator making the first move is becoming increasingly stigmatized including by other straight men like i you know i remember like hanging out with guys and like dudes would make a point of saying they don't hit on women and mm. they just wait around uh, because what they like so sad point, or why risk it uh, yeah. why would I risk being talked about in some women's group chat or we're not mm-hmm. uh, and the if you do like if they do uh, come on to women it's it's typically in a very prudish manner or whatever because mm-hmm. they police each other constantly because they're constantly worried about mm-hmm. what uh, an, a, a woman would think about how they think about another guy's behavior yeah that's right. uh increasingly common and it was i think just like covid i think things are uh calming down a little bit mm-hmm. i think we yes. are moving toward a post me too era but during that time period that shit was increasingly common dudes were constantly trying to accuse each other of being creeps or being like they were trying to one up each other yeah. by how non uh, uh, oh, non-sexual and respectful they exactly, are. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And there might be a class dynamic to yeah. that. It might be mm-hmm. an overwhelmingly like middle class phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, that was definitely a thing. And yeah. I, it was it, it was a precursor to me too. Yeah. Because people are increasingly incentivized to just stay by themselves and wait until they have permission to mm-hmm. like have a fucking interaction or something. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, what's they're so... waiting for like the green light when exactly it's, the yes. green light is all it's inside you, honey. Like just exactly. yes, you have to go exactly. after it. Yeah. What is so, what is so great about like sexual perversity in Chicago is that it shows the duality of the genders. Like, and the genders are like very strong and confident about like who they are. Um, whereas like now, like- Yeah, it's... sexually, like Danny is like a hound. Like he always goes after it. He's really, he is insecure about his career prospects, but he like knows what he wants and like he goes after it. And that both of the men are very confident, like sexually confident. Yeah, like, um, you know, when I was in the Navy, there was this very frank con like constantly frank discussion about uh about sex about everything about mm-hmm. you know the dirty details what, yeah mm-hmm. um and there was 
there were all of these uh, very frank questions that were asked of me. And so I just assumed that like straight guys did have these conversations with each other because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I already had these very frank conversations with, uh, you know, other gay men where we would discuss like, oh, you know, this is what I did with this guy last night or, you know, this is mm-hmm. uh, what I did with like this guy one time back when I was like visiting uh, in this city or whatever. And so when I was in the Navy and would have like these, you know, straight guys like ask me like, you know, uh kind of intimate questions i was just like oh okay yeah like they're just like asking me like the same sort of questions that they would ask like their bros or whatever like i didn't think about it and so like i was very shocked when Ilyich like mentioned to me earlier that like oh most straight guys these days don't like discuss this sort of thing like this and such frank details I think also there's a, I think that when you're dealing with all male or overwhelmingly male environments, that kind of frankness is going to be more common. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that all male spaces have been eroding for the past several decades at a exponential rate. Uh, You know, Boy Scouts now is allowing girls, although Boy Scouts of America has, has, has for a long time had divisions Mm -hmm. that have been co-ed, but uh mainstream boy scouts allows girls now like things like that um Mm -hmm. uh, all male spaces are increasingly stigmatized and Mm -hmm. um and everyone feels like they're constantly being surveilled by women Mm -hmm. uh there's no safe space for men to be men essentially yeah right right Mm -hmm. and it causes this like panoptic sort of thing that uh they're policing each other because they're worried about being policed themselves Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're worried about what a hypothetical woman who isn't even there would think about mm-hmm. this conversation. Um, yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, it it's mostly uh, like uh, like a 23 to 25 year old male phenomenon. Uh, the sort of boisterousness uh, mm-hmm. that is demonstrated by Jim Belushi mm-hmm. um, is increasingly looked down upon and stigmatized um yeah and i think that it's like yeah, a I mean, kind of personality has like been erased from a social life i guess you know right, there's, you're, yeah, there's, like, there's, there's nobody no who's gonna be like, like the bon vivant yes. yeah right, uh, yeah right. exactly right. like <laughs> i i actually think something that is really actually relatable about another thing that's like very relatable about this play is that um, there's a conversation that Danny and uh, Bernie have about how, you know, women are in the workplace now. And I feel on some level that, you know, maybe Danny sort of felt emasculated in some sense during while he was living with um, wha, what's her face? Uh, Deborah. Deborah, because she works in advertising. <laughs> she works in advertising, like has a more like ostensibly makes more money than he does. Yeah. Um, he's very insecure, um, but he, it's, what's amazing. And like, I think is very common. He doesn't necessarily like, he's not very explicit about, you know, 
what he's insecure about, he sort of just checks out of this relationship altogether. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, he does, I mean, he does have his uh, sexual charisma, you know, <laughs> and I think that's yeah. what, what gets both of the men but in this also play Also, Danny is a much quieter person. And yeah, he yeah, He's a quieter person. He's not uh, braggadocious about, so like, I think you see early signs of this, even in the play, even though it came out in the 70s, where Danny is the much less braggadocious one, but he is the only character that you see pulling. Yes. Uh, let alone having a somewhat consistent sexual relationship that turns to a romantic relationship. It doesn't work uh, out in the end, but um, uh, this sort of like praise of the the sort of like um, uh, like demure, uh, like very submissive Soy man, boy. but like he has yeah. his like tail in between his legs the whole time. Uh, you know, the the straight male bottom. Yes, uh, essentially, yeah. like he'll he'll politely ask a woman if she wants a drink or initiate a conversation, <laughs> things like that, and he's not really a loud mouth, and he's he gives all signs that he's not going to be a kiss and teller, mm -hmm. uh, even though. I mean, because, you know, Bernie asks questions, he's going to, mm -hmm. and like, and even like, even when Bernie does ask questions, he's like, does she give head? He's yeah. like, what? Does she give head to you? And uh, he doesn't want to answer. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, in all likelihood, she does. Mm hmm yeah. And also, you know, perhaps that's why, you know, Deborah sort of lost interest in Danny is because he you know, he's not, he's too discreet on some level. Like he's very, he doesn't really take charge yeah. in the relationship. He bottles it all up. Yeah, he, he bottles does. it all up into the point where he calls her a fucking cunt. Yes. That are calling her a cunt, uh, which is a thing that I was, that, that's probably the thing that most disappointed me about, about last night was that mm -hmm. there's no point where Rob Lowe calls Demi Moore a cunt. I know. There's no talk yeah. about the Equal Rights Amendment. No. Bernie, it's like, like it's all, but I think it's because it was written by women. Well, here's a, here's a fun <laughs> fact. A man, uh, Mamet famously disavowed this movie altogether. Um, that makes he sense. Quotes, he quote called it a, as a, cal, as a callow youth with hay sticking out of my ears, I sold the play and the screenplay for about $12 and a mess of porridge. So he's completely really disavowed this movie altogether because it's very neutral. And I don't, I don't blame him. It, it's, yeah. it, it's exactly as Leach and I uh, said earlier, um, it really does seem as though somebody had written a screenplay, it got presented to a couple of producers, and one of the producers said, oh, I recently saw this play called uh, Sexual Perversity in Chicago, and I, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> I thought, like, why not try to make a movie out of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then later... And, then later and that's what like, happened. Yeah, and... It's funny because the movie, while I do enjoy the movie for its like color and its 80s nostalgia and the music is amazing. Oh, um, yes. It, yes. it moves and moves like way too quick. I, I want to get a deep um, relation. I want to have develop a relationship on a deeper level with it's, these characters. And it is an all right movie. Mm -hmm. um, it is just one of those things where it's like, if you go in expecting to see sexual perversity in Chicago uh, 
it's uh, not that. <laughs> okay, I take it yeah. back. Okay, I take it back. It was actually written by two men. It was adapted by two men. So. Yeah. I thought it was written by a man and a woman. That's what, yeah. De, I think it's pronounced Dennis DeClue. Yeah. Well, it was okay. originally slated to be, the movie was originally slated to be the same uh, title, but they had to nix it because they were afraid it, it wouldn't sell or it's like too scandalous. Gotcha. Um, which, I mean, doesn't, yeah, matter because the movie itself is not that scandalous. <laughs> right. It's extremely watered down. Like mm-hmm. I said before, it is a chick flick, even though there are like hot erotic scenes. In fact, like I remember as a kid, I would, uh, I saw snippets. I, uh, when I would be like flipping through channels, I was at the, not to be too graphic, but this was at the age when I was like flipping through channels, looking for spank material. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, I happened to come across the, the most erotic scene in the movie where you see Demi Moore's tits and, uh, and all that and it's a, like very much more frank and you know I was watching the movie yesterday my apartment doesn't have wi-fi yet it doesn't get installed until Tuesday uh, um, but uh, I was watching so I was watching it at a place that's like a sort of cafe slash bar mm-hmm. type place <laughs> so I was watching in like this corner but uh, there's there's like a bathroom behind me that uh, it, both bathrooms uh, were single sex so I would have to like be really nervous about like uh, making sure that people didn't think I was watching porn uh, at this public place. So I was like totally nervous about it, even though like it just so happens that every time an erotic scene happened, someone, usually a woman, would walk past me. I'd be like, God, I hope. Of they course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, turn me in yeah well i yeah. it's funny this even, even though the owner of the bar was like what are you watching i said about last night she said oh i love that movie uh, it's a, it's like, a classic it's a, yeah. it really is like a, just an 80s classic it's like a feast for the eyes um something i think i, I mean at least of both of the play in the movie it it is you know also about sort of you know the things that happen when you have a one night stand and then you think oh we maybe we should be in a relationship or at least the woman you know <laughs> initiates that conversation um and then the you know the tragic events that happen subsequently uh when you uh you know come to the conclusion that, that this person was just a one-night stand it's it's not going to work out um <laughs> yeah i mean like there, there's yeah. been the general saying that uh women are the gatekeepers to sex men are the gatekeepers to relationships but like with a lot, I'm I'm a sort of younger millennial. I'm sort of mm-hmm. on the cutoff between millennial and Zoomer. I like older Zoomer, younger millennial, that mm-hmm. type of thing. When I talk to dudes that are close to my age, it's increasingly become the case that I hear people say that, like, I think women are the gatekeepers to both. That's these young broads, Danny. They don't know what the fuck they want. Do you think she was a pro? A pro, Dan. Yeah. A pro is... How do you think of yourself? See my point? Right. Come on, you scumbags. Last inning. Only one run down. Everybody's very, everybody's feeling uh, very sexually repressed. Like you couldn't write a play script like this now because it's not very unvogue to talk about women in this way in a public sphere. Um, but it is, it should, it, but it should, you know, reflect uh, you know, truth and like the truth of uh, brotherhood and, uh, pra- you know, being confessional with your friends. Uh, and yeah, I think at the end of the day, that is what this story is all about. It's about like, 
you know, women come and go, but your buddies will always be there. (laughs) Well, like the thing about it is that the reason that you couldn't do a play like this today is because it's the wrong sort of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's this whole focus on, oh, you should be vulnerable, but it's only about being vulnerable and talking about the way that you were victimized in the past. It, it, It goes to like a very weird place, especially for gay men, because for gay men, especially for gay men from previous generations where it wasn't okay to be gay Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time you did have to kind of rely on like someone more experienced and more uh advanced I guess uh is the best way to describe it Mm -hmm. uh like mentorships maybe like is a, a weird way to describe it but it, sort of yeah like sort of like mentorships um like it a is mother. <laughs> like like it was something like you did sort of rely on somebody older more experienced yeah and, and when I say older I don't mean like you know uh drastically older I mean somebody like maybe a couple years older who could just sort of introduce you to things and the mentorship thing is like, you know, that's a big thing of, that's a big part of why Milo Yiannopoulos got canceled because he was mm-hmm. uh, unusually frank about something that is, if, if you part know, of human life. Yeah. If, if you know anything about gay men, you know that what he was saying was 100% true. I've known a lot of gay men uh, and they are not the most politically correct uh, group in any sense of the word nor should uh, they be yeah yes. and i'm not saying they should be because yeah, yeah. they're fucking dudes they're yes. dudes they're dudes yeah they, they are yeah they yeah, are not right. women yeah and their you're, dudes are funny when they're not like politically correct like that's what makes them unique and attractive <laughs> it's a new kind of like victorianism that we're right you guys are totally yeah. right like yeah. it's people like cannot deal with like the everyday functions of like of reality anymore like it's so, like they have to have like paternal figures although you could make the case that now we're living with maternal figures mm-hmm. um and 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 that's what people and people can't like deal with everyday life and so like yeah, yeah and i've i've definitely uh mentioned this uh before in conversations with friends of my own um that there is this sort of sexual puritanism well people are afraid of the truth you know i think there's an incentive to to like drive a fine-tooth comb of mediation and litigate every part of social interactions in the private and public sphere but um there's like really no need for that because what is truthful is you know based on our natural impulses and danny mm-hmm. says this in the play he says everything's fine sex talk life everything until you want to get closer to get better do you know what the fuck you want and then him and deborah break up um and i think you know i think he i think there's uh some like 
the theme like really comes out in that line because you know everything is fine until like somebody wants to litigate i think you know deborah is constantly like walking around like being like what are we what are we like are we boyfriend and girlfriend are we gonna get married like what the hell and you know it, it's like danny's like let's just like talk let's just be normal you know like um you know and I, but he's also very uh submissive so he doesn't really he wants to bottle everything up and like not make a scene until he does um but i think that part of him and not being able to you know just be normal deborah is not as kind of neurotic as well um she wants to be very hyper articulate about her emotions and uh, which is very unattractive so <laughs> um it's just not it's not a, it's not a attractive to argue about everything you know um every single thing about about things that we everybody was enjoying in the first place um, we have the courts for a, a reason and we have drama yeah. for a reason. Like, yeah, well, that's, that's what drama, that's what yeah. Come, yeah. Come into play. Um, but I think uh, um, Joan has this really um, good line that I'll read. Um, she's When she's speaking with Deborah, she says, I don't know anything, Deborah. I swear to God, the older I get, the less I know. It's a puzzle. Our efforts at coming to grips with ourselves in an attempt to be more human, quote unquote, which in itself is an interesting concept. It has to do with an increased ability to recognize clues and the control of energy in the form of lust and desire, and also in the form of hope, but a finite puzzle whose true solution lies perhaps in transcending the rules themselves and pounding of the fucking pieces into places where they do not fit at all. And yeah, I think that's very apt for this play, but also for, you know, the past, not like, it's not I would say 70 years. Movie. It's yeah, not it's not. It's not that after the yeah. movie at all. Like, yeah, yeah, no. I, I, that's what is completely missing in this movie is the actual thematic spirit of the right. original play. And the movie really is just like this sort of, uh, you know, you know, fun, easy, easy, watchable. Um, it's cute. You know, it's right. and well, it's a feast for the eye. It's like I actually love all those scenes outdoors you have these beautiful shots of chicago it's very oh, colorful like yeah. michigan oh my god uh, that's the thing that's the thing that I, one of the things i love the most about the yes. movie is that i've been to most of the places mm -hmm. in the movie yeah i was uh, like i was watching and, and i was like i've either worked here or i've lived here <laughs> or i've hung out there yeah hung exactly here, here i've gotten yes. fucked up i have some experience there but like the play is sort of like um you know like lucy k had uh, a bit where he was like uh to take chances uh on forming a relationship or to like move on someone yeah um requires a certain amount of naivety where it's like mm. hmm, maybe something nice will happen why the fuck would something nice ever happen right yeah yeah like a, a pot <laughs> like an optimistic naivete you yeah. know you have to and be a little delusional to be confident Right. I mean, the the play is essentially about post not clarity. Yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> it really is about because once I mean, once he moves in with her, I mean, so many dynamics change. And once you what's sort of the honeymoon phase like tapers yeah. off, you uh, realize things about your intentions, about what you really want, about the time and place in your life. And if this is something you're willing to be committed to. Right, um, right. Yeah, definitely. And, and like it's and that's a thing that another thing that makes it different the movie different from the book is like the most erotic scenes where you the most explicit scenes are after they start living together. Yes, that is so where, true. Right. Whereas the play is like once they start living together, 
eroticism goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because that's that's the truth of the matter of like, that's what we've all have experienced, like yeah. living with a partner, you know, the eroticism sort of, you know, goes out the window and you start, you know, contemplating having to oh, compromise, I, having to compromise, having to work together and having to yeah. make decisions having together. Someone, having someone tell me where to put my shit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you have to think about like, is this <laughs> somebody I want to live with and coexist with in a, an apartment. And um, yeah, obviously uh, it doesn't really work out for uh, Danny and Deborah, but uh, yeah. what is, what's very virtuous of, I think both of them is that um, they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily really blame it on, I mean, yeah, Danny like blows up at Deborah, but it's mostly yeah. him. And, you know, at, at least, you know, he, he goes out again with the boys and he doesn't recede into his bowl and is right, right. depressed necessarily, you know, um, he, you can always like, you can always come back to your buddies. <laughs> I mean, I, the movie reminded me a, a lot of eternal sunshine and spotless mind where mm-hmm. like when, when he goes, Ooh, yeah. because like at the end of the movie, uh, not in the play, obviously at the end of the movie, he goes off chasing this girl again and maybe they're going to make the same mistakes all over again. Maybe not. Uh, probably they will. Uh, probably what will happen is they fuck uh, a bit and they might reestablish some spark of their connection before and then it will fall back. And like uh, Eternal Sunshine Spotless Mind is very much like embracing that. It's like, yes, that is what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. it's okay. It, it, the important thing is that you go on life having those lessons under your belt and moving forward with them instead of just trying to erase them and pretend you're not the person that you were five years ago mm-hmm. um and oh my god uh, <laughs> you know i'm like um uh, fuck i lost my train of thought i feel like frank Costanza right now no, but, uh, yeah totally right but, um yeah i mean like um uh whereas the play is is very much like you know the play is very much more forward about it mm-hmm. where it's like you know life is full of mistakes life is full of disappointments but it's still worth living exactly and, and yeah, yeah all of his plays are like that it's very optimistic and it's very uh, sisyphean actually because it's all about yeah. like pushing this gigantic boulder of your right. uh, trying to balance your social life your sex life your work life because that's right. also you know the the play includes like uh, Bernie and Danny's uh, working relationship. They work together and um, it's trying, he's trying to balance that. He's upset and insecure about his career prospects. And, um, but he doesn't allow himself to be castrated altogether at the end, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's <laughs> why screen, that's like his uh, final, he, him calling her a cunt, screaming in her face, calling her a cunt is like, his final desperate attempt mm-hmm. to not be castrated because mm-hmm. i feel like increasingly nowadays like uh, i think a lot of men especially middle class men feel like uh women that they have women that they have no relation to just like women on twitter just mm-hmm. walk around with their balls in their pockets mm-hmm. yeah definitely it, it's it it's just sometimes feel a little like um it's kind of awkward on the the woman's side because I'm just like, 
aren't you supposed to tell me what to do in the workplace? Like, I don't want to be treated like I'm a shrinking violet necessarily. And I'm like a mm -hmm. small, fragile glass uh, angel. Like, yeah, please. I, I would rather have somebody like stomp all over me and call me an asshole. And like, just let, and I rather, honestly would rather have someone call me like fat and ugly than like treat me with like kid gloves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. I'm like, when, on uh, the, episode, the episode you guys were on, excuse me um the episode you guys were on on our podcast we were talking about how working under women has tendency to drive men and women uh but mostly men fucking insane where it feels like we're in a fucking cage yeah <laughs> and uh it's like like uh there haven't been a lot of workplace shootings in recent i've really heard of a workplace shooting in recent years but that's also probably because of the oversaturate one that might be a positive aspect of the oversaturation of estrogen that it uh sort of uh has this like tranquilizing effect mm -hmm. on dudes but if like male bosses talked to uh their male subordinates the way that female bosses tend to uh there'd be a lot more fucking guys going postal oh definitely right. because yeah. that would just be <laughs> that would absolutely be psycho is that too like, dark i'm sorry no it, it's no. so true because it that would absolutely be psycho and like creepy uh, to me because there, there's such a loss of structure there and it's yeah. I think it's also it's always about balance you know like you have to be very structured and um what's unique about Bernie and Danny's like relationship is that they always have a nice they can guarantee that they always will have private time with each other to complain about these things yeah or they can be unfiltered they can you know talk like go just talk bullshit complain be profane be so explicit and dirty and that is such a stress reliever yeah. and, and everybody and like, everyone needs that and it's increasingly stigmatized like i think on twitter there was a little bit of that for a little while but then it became clear for a lot of like straight dudes especially if they want a lot of female followers female mutuals they mm -hmm. want to be friends with women on twitter uh that it's unbecoming to like be braggadocious about uh the time you got pussy mm -hmm. uh and they are increasingly about those things like every yeah. time it's usually when i'm drunk where i've posted about some like sexual experience that i've had and then i i delete it the next day because mm -hmm. i'm like this is very unbecoming i don't yeah. want like people but really, I don't want women to uh, see this. And yeah. Yeah. But I think um, whenever I like walk down the street and I see like a group of guys like yelling and hooting and hollering, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Like they they have, you know, they need, you need that time to, I mean, because it's natural. You yeah. need to have a time where you can have a place where it's gender exclusive. Like I go out with my girlfriends all the time. And honestly, I feel like my girlfriends talk the way Bernie and Danny do. Like I always hear women talk so explicitly that's about the, their the sex thing. life. The and thing. it's like, I, mean, like, I don't care really, but I'm like, what, are we gonna harp on this forever? <laughs> but when I started an office job, I was absolutely terrified of 
uh, making an inappropriate comment or joke. Women talk about fucking or like- I know, and they get a free pass. Every all time. <laughs> the time but it always had this sort of like terroristic like vibe of like we dare you to respond because as soon as you respond in a way that you think is funny we're gonna make a face that yeah. uh and uh not that, i mean like i i've worked at mostly small businesses that didn't really have a uh an hr department but like no one wants the stacy stare at them no, because you know uh, that they're throwing you the bait so they can yeah. sort of screen you and yeah. and uh, basically like limit test you. You, you just so, have so to know, have like, like, are you that guy? You just have to have like this deadpan expression to it and act yeah. like you have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, that's how I am when I go into work. I just have the thousand yard stare into my computer. I'm like, don't, nobody talk to me. <laughs> don't look at yeah. me. I have nothing to say. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the music in this movie because it is such a fantasia of just like so random and also just like a flash in the pan, of like very quick moments in social life, like going out to the bar, going to work. And it's, it goes just moves so quickly that you don't even realize what the hell just happened. Um, but I, I just love the way that uh, these movies are filmed because they have this like romantic aspect to it where like everything is. So I mean, the 80s and the 80s in Chicago, like it, it's very like romanticized and it looks like glittering and sparkly and it's really pretty to look at. John well, I mean, the, the, the Chicago yeah. even still today is of course glittery yes. and sparkly and mm -hmm. so beautiful to look at. That's why uh, this city is called the Big Apple because it of is course. the biggest city in the world and it's the apple of everybody's eye. It's absolutely. Um, yes. But, I feel like uh, I feel like John Hughes going, did a really good job of like also capturing Chicago and like really capturing like the heart of Chicago. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Definitely. Um. But I definitely think uh, as well when it comes to you know these sort of frank conversations up where people can just you know talk about last night. Mm -hmm. Um it is something that is increasingly lost, uh, yeah. especially in this generation where so many people do have this sort of neurotic sense of like, oh, like, should I even talk about the fact that we had sex? Like, is the fact that, I, that I'm talking about the fact that uh, I had sex with this woman, like, could that be considered, no, could that be considered like, revenge porn or something yeah. like yeah uh, you feel like you're always the, being like oh somebody recording me somebody's taking notes to use yeah against and me. like yeah. uh like what, what Ilyich was talking about when he mentioned uh the idea of you know like oh i, I dare you to say something mm -hmm. uh i feel like a lot of us have been through that in the workplace and mm -hmm. You know, not necessarily about sex, but about anything. About yeah. just like, oh, especially if you're new to a workplace, uh, there is the sense people of People want to like, size you up. <laughs> yeah, people do want to size you up. They do want to figure out like, and like talk shit about somebody. And you are in this like awkward position of like, 
what am I supposed to say right now? I've only worked here for like two months. Like, don't, don't, don't talk to me about these things. <laughs> there was like a really yeah. interesting interaction between Danny and Bernie um, early on in the play where he's like, Danny says, nobody does it normally anymore. And mm -hmm. then Bernie says, it's these young broads. They don't know <laughs> what the fuck they want. We need to bring the word broad uh, like, back. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I'm mean, like, and to George's point, it's not even just women talking about sex. Like liberals talk about politics all the fucking time in the workplace. And then they it's wonder why rude. I never, they think that it's I so am perverted. just this like, this quiet dude that never talks. And it's because uh, as soon as I open my mouth, if you ask me my opinion, uh, you're all gonna fucking scream Present and yell. You. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna like, yeah, like whenever like any of that shit, I, I'm just so fucking sick of it. And I, I've yeah. been dealing with it for five fucking years. And I feel like, you know, I feel like I've had my balls cut off for five fucking years. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just like, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. I mean, like I, this is why I kind of sympathize with, even though I don't think it's practical, especially in the, um, the juncture that my life is in, I don't find the trad stuff very compelling. Mm -hmm. I can sympathize mm -hmm. with it because I, like, I, like, when, when you're dealing when you're living in the city and you're working in corporate america and you're working in these places that are increasingly diverse and uh increasingly gender diverse and uh you feel like the only reason that women are brought on this job is to one guilt trip you about mm -hmm. about your performance instead of just being like uh just a normal sort of like hey you you fuck this up just fix it it's no big deal whatever and acting like you making you like hate yourself for making mistakes uh but also just like um like getting people who don't get all of their political views from john oliver to mm -hmm. shut the fuck up yeah because there's no yes. like like i said like um my friend oh. told me like there was he got like an email from the ceo after the abortion stuff got kicked like to the curb yeah. and, and then the next day like they got everybody got an email from the ceo about the highland park shooting it's like there needs to be a clear delineation of, yeah. of like work and uh which is you know a private uh, business right. and like public life is so different from that like those right like the job that i work now uh a lot of the people that i deal with in my office are libtards and we'll talk about that stuff but my department they're usually not really talking about politics. They might talk about pop culture and stuff, but uh, See, which, okay. which is great, which is, which is fine. That's fine. That's great. That's great. Uh, mm -hmm. Talking about uh, pop culture is way preferable to talking about politics. Uh, it, but like, um, it's not as saturated with women as previous jobs I've had. And I, like uh, uh, when I like, you know, I, the day after January 6th happened, I had a, uh, in a previous job where I had, my boss was a very effeminate gay man who is very, he was, he was the type of gay man who's uh, like acceptable to make He had a husband, mm -hmm. for example, and uh, the job was very saturated with women. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them quite attractive, uh, but um, he, um, he's a very different type of gay than uh, George, for example. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, or you, Josh. Uh, and <laughs> the, uh, the the day after January sixth, he asked me if I needed uh, time off uh, for my mental health uh, because of how traumatic January sixth was. And yeah. uh, and it's like I think January sixth. What's 6th wrong fucking, with people? I, I think January sixth <laughs> is fucking retarded. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think yeah. it was one, one of the most futile, self defeating acts in the entire political history of america however the idea that i need mental health i mean i i obviously took advantage of that but absolutely yeah but but also like it was also the day that i put in my two weeks notice so yeah yeah, this is lame this is lame (laughs) yeah i was I, i was like i like once like i i it was the meeting i called in this guy because it was all remote called in a team's meeting and said hey i'm putting my two weeks notice and then he told me this thing and that made me realize oh it's a really good fucking thing i got out the fuck out yes definitely yeah i can't (laughs) like i can't deal with like you know like thank you for the offer of a mental Mm -hmm. health break because of something that fucking happened in washington dc which was a complete circus and not even anything that's real or bad yet they act like it's uh modern day 9-11 and uh um but like i was just like the the fact that this is the kind of thing that you're uh uh acting super concerned about makes me realize uh once we get back to working in person uh i'm not going to be a good yeah Fuck this nonsense. One, two, six, I'm in the hall, struggling in my shorts, make it to the elevator, whole place is filled with smoke. Elevator arrives, the whole hall is filled with firemen. You know, those fucking firemen make out like bandits. And I, that's why I, I love this play is because it, it is about um, kind of just men, be, dudes rock and like ball busting, but right. it is also about like learning lessons about what you want in your relationships and yeah. everybody learns something and everybody can take away uh, something from the play. So, and, 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 uh, and maybe the movie, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I think, uh, I think that the movie is a lot more uh, feminized it than is the, oh, than yes. the book than the yes. play um, yes and there's a lot more lessons about there's a lot more straightforward lessons about relationships yeah whereas the play is just bringing it's just highlighting the absurdity yeah it's a very of, matter of fact yeah well in the in the movie uh it's like a very like oh you you broke up like Deborah has like is essentially the hero of the story in the movie because she's like oh you came crawling back to me but I'm a I'm a independent woman and you are who don't need no man yeah exactly (laughs) and it's like made to look like and well then they they may might get back together whatever it's all like very happy and um sunshiny which is nice um but uh yeah the play is very um it's contemplative and it's very meaty like there's so much dialogue that like about the about their relationships but also about uh 
social life at the time that they're living in um, and how complaining about it, it is important and because yeah. it's like equivalent of like going to the bar with your buddies after work and complaining about the boss or complaining about the mayor or complaining about um, women. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's important, definitely. It's good for the, the soul. <laughs> and the fascination with powerful men's uh, sexual habits. Young broad, young ass. I, I love the play. I liked the movie. Same. I, yeah. I did yes. not love the movie. Uh, yeah. I, I thought the play was one of a kind. And Definitely. I uh, it, it highlights something that is um, acceptable to mm -hmm. theater audiences, that is less acceptable to film audiences. Mm -hmm. And that exactly. is why yeah. the film needed to be watered down the way it was to the yeah. point where it's a completely different story with completely different characters. Um, but I liked both and I'm very thankful that you recommended those to me. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, we're so glad that you guys enjoyed it. Um, thanks so much for coming on and- Yes, um, anytime. Well, like when I come to Chicago next, we'll have to all go see a play together or a musical. Thank you, thank you for inviting us and thank you for reaching out. Have a good night, guys. Have a good uh, one. And and see. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>